Oh, I'm Bishop Jeff Clements of the Northern Illinois Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. This is another in our series of conversations that we're having, and today's topic is a big one. We're going to talk about evil mm. with the Reverend Dr. Janet Hunt. Janet, an old friend of mine, mm. I can uh, tell you a little bit about her, if that's okay. She's a graduate of Wartburg College in uh, Waverly, Iowa, right? That's correct. With a Bachelor of Arts degree in political science. She's also a graduate of... Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, where she earned her Master of Divinity, and your Doctor of Ministry degree was in Congregational Revitalization from McCormick That's correct. Seminary. Yes. In uh, Northern Illinois, you've spent most of your career, almost all of your career here, right? Every call. That's just amazing. Um, <laughs> I got to know you when you were in Dixon when I was serving a congregation sort of on the other side of town. Um, she was assistant pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Dixon, as well as pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Nachusa. Mm -hmm. From there, she went on to Grace in Wilmington, and then to the Synod staff, where we actually got a chance to work together yes. from 1998 to uh, 2005. I came on staff in 2002, so you were there before me. But those were good years. And then uh, Salem and Sycamore, Salem Lutheran Church in Sycamore, mm -hmm. um, until 2011. And then you went to uh, uh, First Lutheran Church in DeKalb, That's where right. you have been serving since 2012. Yes. And with that, let's begin. So, like I said, evil, it's just a huge topic. Yes. Where do, where do we start? What do you think? If I say... You know, the problem of evil has existed for centuries, and Christians have tried to make some sense of it, and we still are. Yeah, I, th I think it goes uh, back before Christianity, doesn't it? I mean, uh, it, the whole biblical witness grapples with evil, although I don't know if it articulates the argument in a way that we've ever found satisfactory. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I was when I showed you a minute ago, Bishop, a cartoon that was in yesterday's newspaper, and I would offer it to you again. There's a, a picture of God sitting behind a, a desk, uh, and he has uh, sent his emissary, his angel, out into the world to see how things are going. And uh, read the question there that God asked when that... God's asking, hey, did you check up on the humans? How does it look down there? Is it all running smoothly? <laughs> right, and, and how does the angel look to you? <laughs> Angel's coming in the door with uh, celestial clouds behind him, and he is beaten up. He's he is in up. bad shape. And he may just have a flask of wine. Or something. His, yeah, yeah, something. Looks like he's drinking something. It's, uh, <laughs> clearly the question is not answered, but the answer is it's uh, not going well. Uh, from what we can tell. And uh, yet I sat with that picture and uh, was reminded a couple of weeks ago, uh, my 91-year-old mother read the comics and she put, she kind of cast them aside and she said, there's nothing here that's even funny. Uh, uh, humor is subjective, of yeah. course, and this isn't really funny either, is it, as it speaks to us of uh, the world we live in. But where I, where I kind of landed with that yesterday morning was what that offers us about the image of God. And uh, this is not the image of God that I hold or I expect you hold either. Yeah. God sitting behind a desk, um, sending others out to check on us, right? God would already know that. And that's part of the struggle uh, that we have with, with how we understand evil is that as people of faith, we understand that, that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and yet all around us, terrible things happen. Yeah. So how do, we, how do we put those... Those two certainties together, you know, in a way that makes sense. And I, I'm not sure. Um, no, I'm quite confident. Uh, we haven't really figured that out. Yeah. 
You know, you may have heard me talk about this in a sermon. One of my favorite little plaques that I've always had on an office wall, uh, I got in, in like, kindergarten Sunday school. Mm-hmm. It was it was a gift when you joined Sunday school at yeah. Victory Lutheran Church. And it's a, it's a, it's a cat chasing a butterfly mm-hmm. that actually glows in the dark. And... It says, God is love. Mm. And so from the very earliest time in my life, God is love is what has been just impressed into my mind. Mm-hmm. And of course, we find that in, in scriptures. How how in the world do we reconcile, or how do you find as a parish pastor, that people try to reconcile the fact that God is love and to have all these bad things happen yeah. around us? I don't I don't know that, that people do, or that they're able to in that. Uh, and, and, and yet I know that even in our young people, there's a sense that, that God is open to hearing and receiving that pain. I, I shared with you a few minutes ago that I was with the confirmation youth last night, that we, uh, sat around, we sit around tables at the beginning of our time together. We do highs and lows. We talk about important things that have happened since last we were together. And we spent some time there at the beginning uh, writing prayer requests. And so I was with a couple of kids. There were several other tables doing the same thing. At the end of the evening, when we come back together for worship, uh, we offer those prayers and in their words and in their voices. And uh, I was really struck last night that uh, all three groups were naming some of the same things. Uh, this, of course, I don't know when this will show, but so there will be something big and new and different by then. But every uh, one of these groups of 6th, 7th, and 8th graders uh, brought brought to the group and uh, before God the the, uh, the latest uh, uh, school shooting in Oxford, Michigan. Yeah. Um, every every one of the groups um, uh, talked about COVID. It's it's a, it permeates everything they know right now, um, and this is both um, this is reflective of something else. But only one of them uh, brought brought to our common prayer uh, what happened in Waukesha a couple weeks ago with the, with the with a minivan going through a crowd of yeah. uh, Christmas parade last week, right? And yet um, we've already forgotten it, which is a reflection of what's broken in the world too, I think, is that is that we move on so quickly from one to another to another. And yet I was struck that 12-year-olds are uh, seeing and uh, taking an evil in a way that oh, I don't, I did not when I was growing up. You didn't have to. I didn't have to. Uh, and, and that's not as though it was not there. But right. but it wasn't, um, what is it, the 24-hour news cycle, what, you know, the, the, right. the, the, the constant presence of information. Uh, also true that some of these things were not happening in the same way, although evil was still present. So we know what evil is, right? We know it when we see it. We know it when we see it. Yeah. yeah. But how do people of faith uh, grapple with that? How do we understand it? It's the question. And in thinking about those confirmation students, um, with the school shootings, we yeah. those didn't happen when we were in school, mm-hmm. um, and we didn't move on so quickly from from things because we didn't have this twenty four hour yeah. news cycle. And yeah. I should have said it as we began this conversation that we've taken our masks off just yes. for this uh, yes. conversation. And you and I have both been vaccinated. Yes. We've both been boosted. And we are here with yeah. a couple of people in the same room who have been well vaccinated too. Yeah. But w- I-, I was thinking um, 
Boy, in the early 60s, we received a vaccination, uh, uh, a Shergube, actually, for uh, polio. Mm-hmm. And after that, it seemed like there was no great, huge health worry. I, I don't know. That's just, it didn't enter my thinking. And here these kids are living with this pandemic, which for them, we're now almost at two years of it, pandemic it life. who they are and who they will be and how they will respond to the world. Don't doubt about it. And and do we see disease as being part of that evil? Yes, don't we? Uh, you know, it's the, the the quickest place we go is to what one evil what evil happens between us as human beings, right? Yeah. What the damage that one can do to another. Uh, but uh, most of us, or maybe all of us, also see disease as a manifestation of evil, and yet and yet disease like all. Hmm, all natural things just does what it does, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and yeah. Uh, we have heard in the past some TV preachers who yeah. blame natural disasters yeah. on yeah. Uh, human action. You know, because of something that we did, mm-hmm. God is punishing us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to get away from, from that kind of thinking. God is punishing me. I've, I've got cancer because... God, God hates me or something. Right. I've, done, I've done something wrong, and therefore God is, right. quote-unquote, getting even. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I've done a little thinking about that. I'm not an expert in this, of course. A theologian, not, a, not, not the rest. But, uh, but, but it seems to me, anyway, that even in terms of natural disasters, um, forces of nature do what they do. And we, we, tend to, we tend to see it from our own point of view because we're in the, in the way of it. Yeah. You know, we, we know parts of the world where, where rivers flood, therefore making the, the earth, uh, you know, more, more productive, right? If, you're, if you are living on the edge of that and you're, 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 the place where you live is, is flooded, destroyed, um, it's a disaster to you. And, yet, and I, got my, I found myself thinking, too, that, well, there are some people that are forced to live in those places because other places are not available. Right. So where does the evil begin then in that, Right. Of course, there are parts of the world where if you are, are, have, uh, have great resources, you can live in places of great beauty, uh, which are also on the edge of uh, rising oceans or uh, out-of-control fire or what, whatever it, it may be. And, and some of that is rooted in, in our neglect, in our not caring for what God has given us. So not, not a direct uh, uh, um, response to personal sin, but perhaps... That's collective, not not. So yeah, so let's think about that for a minute, mm-hmm. um, especially in terms of uh, some of the changes that we've seen with the climate. And you're talking about fire and flood, and uh, here in the Midwest we see much milder winters than we used to. But we also we don't have any. Gent- it seems to me we don't have any gentle rains anymore. We just get. Torrential downpours that yeah. flood and right. you know don't do a whole right. lot of good for crops. Right. Um, this is this is largely our doing. Yes. As far as I understand. Yes. Yes. Um, how does God play into that? And are we are we the evil ones? Right. Well, the, why know? doesn't God make it stop? Is that your no question? Matter, well, it can be sure. <laughs> <laughs> why doesn't why? I mean, well, what, go back to your rephrase the question then. How does God play into that? What do you mean when you ask that? Right. What does that mean? Just a general open question? Yeah. How does God play into it? 
Where, well, does, where does God fit? Yeah. Where does God fit? Especially um, when, you know, we, we hear a, uh, a weather forecast. Mm-hmm. We get tornadoes here in northern Illinois. Yes. We pray when we get a tornado warning. We pray that it doesn't come and, you know, just wipe go, away our home. And Just go through an open field, right? Don't come, don't come through my neighborhood. Right. Destroying crops as it goes. But why, where is God? Do, we do, yeah. do we expect God to send the tornado to a, uh, the field Precisely. instead of my house? Exactly. Uh. Do we? Maybe we do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I yeah. find myself praying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't come here. Right? Don't come here. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, as, as we said early on, Bishop, uh, this is not a, these are not new questions. I mean, every, everyone I encounter is... Um, articulating them in different ways. And it may be about natural disasters. It may be about a recent um, inexplicable shooting of innocents dying. Yeah. It, it may be about a personal illness. Why, why, why? And it feels evil. And uh, any and all of these are, or maybe your, your, your call and mine is to, uh, to wonder at its meaning, not only its meaning for us, but, but our response to it, I think. And uh, I, I can't win the argument. And where I've come down to is I've, as I've kind of lived in the question at your invitation the last month or so, is that as people of faith, we can't win the argument, but we can live a response to it. And uh, the playing around I did with that was uh, looking at even just the, the story of uh, Jesus' uh, trial uh, and, and, and crucifixion and then resurrection to wonder at that. that that's where I went when yeah. I went with it because because uh, because our, our our faith is an incarnational one and and God's answer uh, to evil and all that's hard was Jesus, right? So so as I as I sat with it again and you know you know we could tell don't have scripture but we know the story, <laughs> right? But but you go remember the story with me for a minute and we remember uh, um, uh, Judas's betrayal, right? Whether whether it was well intentioned or not. Whether he was just trying to get Jesus on the right track or not, he was stepping into a place he shouldn't have been, uh, speaking words that uh, led to the destruction of a beloved one, mm-hmm. right? And there's evil in that. And then, and then you, fi- you find him in the garden, and uh, of course, uh, Peter is there, and all of Peter's impulsiveness, and, uh, and Peter pulls out his sword, and this just hit me this time, threw it away at his never before. Pulls out his sword, and he cuts off the, the ear of a slave, right? Right? And, and Jesus immediately steps in and says, no, that's not how this is going to go. But, but why a slave? You know, why, why one who had no choice but to be there? It's evil in that, I think. Then you get to the trial and Pilate saying, well, he's innocent. And then having him flogged anyway, right? It's evil all over that, isn't there? Uh, in, the, in those that pressed the crown of thorns in his head and uh, in, uh, in those who... Uh, who, uh, who forced him to carry his own cross, and uh, and once he's, you know, hanging on the cross, uh, gambling at his feet as though he is less than human. Yeah. Um, I, I I think of that 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 you could take one story, which is of course our central story, and you can trace evil through the whole thing, and and I wonder then, well, what is that? You know, what what are what are we called to do with that? And, and, and yet, right in the middle of the story, you see it, don't you? Jesus stepping into it, yeah. and stepping into it, and stepping, moving towards it, uh, even though he, we understand, would have had the power not to. And, and then I look at those others around him. I look at the women, and 
John who who stayed. Um, who took that risk and stayed. Yeah. I, I think of uh, Joseph of Arimathea who uh, asked for the body, put him in his own tomb, and Nicodemus who hmm. carried more, well, brought more spices than he could possibly have needed, right? Both at risk to themselves. And I, I believe that we can't, again, in an intellectual argument, I can't, can't win that argument. But people of faith every day are answering it. Every time we step into places that that make us afraid, and maybe it's simply the the bedside of somebody who's dying, which is a scary place to be. Right. Every every time uh, God's people step up and say this is wrong. Every time a twelve year old names it, right, giving us a place to begin in terms of uh, what what we do next. Uh, we live the response to evil, as Jesus did. And digging deep into that, receiving God's gifts, I think that's all we can do. And maybe in the end that changes everything. It does. Yeah. You know, um, I guess in my own life in ministry I've never tried to explain evil. You know, I'm not plagued by the question of why does evil exist. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because of the way Jesus taught us to pray. You know, mm-hmm. in the Lord's Prayer, deliver mm-hmm. us from evil. Jesus is not trying to explain why evil exists. No. It just does. Mm-hmm. It's a given. Mm-hmm. And so we're praying that we might be delivered from it, whatever mm-hmm. exactly that means. Yeah. But when we're not, then what? That's the question. Yeah. And when we, when we know that it's... Uh, mm, it certainly is rooted in individuals sometimes, in brokenness. It's uh, perpetuated by systems. I think that's true with Jesus, don't you think, and the crucifixion, that there yeah. were bigger systems even than the individuals playing there that uh, that brought this to be. You and I have talked about this a little bit in, in past conversations, about how ultimately mm-hmm. we just stand on the promises that yeah. God has given us yeah. and... It is health and wholeness in eternal life. And so when I pray with someone who's dying um, of cancer or something awful, um, I know in my heart that they will be okay. Mm -hmm. And so many people that I've been with have died at peace knowing the same thing. Mm -hmm. I just lament for the people who don't have that faith, that don't have people to surround them um, mm-hmm. with that kind of faith mm-hmm. uh, to say, you know what? Mm-hmm. You are going to be held in God's hands forever mm-hmm. and it's going to be okay. Yeah. But the challenge is then is to not fall into that place where we can sometimes go that we say it will only be okay then. How are we signs of that uh that wondrous wholeness today yeah. in a in a world where where uh, some people are much more plagued by the by by evil than you and I probably will ever be. Right. Yeah. That's the question. And then it becomes incumbent upon us to love our neighbors in ways that are going to be mm-hmm. helpful mm-hmm. to them. Yes. So that we can be the love of God right. in their lives. Yes, and perhaps that's how God works, not back to the cartoon at the beginning, 
<laughs> right? Not not simply sending out uh, another to see how things are going, which is how that played out, but um, that God is is fully in it. Now, this God in the comic isn't even pulling strings. <laughs> no. He's really right. separate, and yeah. he's got right. human beings off doing whatever they want right. to do, right. which kind of is what we do. Correct, yeah. But he's got a spy coming back to To let, at least let him know. Check at least yeah, he, at I least wonder. You know, God has all kinds of paper. He's got files of paper <laughs> all over the It looks like my office. What's he doing with all that? What's he doing? It's not is the it? best image of God. Okay. <laughs> A counterpoint to the conversation. <laughs> what strip is this? I don't, I don't get a Sunday paper yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, well. so again, the answer to the question of the problem of evil. <laughs> who are we? Who is Jesus? And therefore, who are we? And who are we called to be? You know, one question that, that I was thinking about, too. Does the concept of evil help us make ourselves feel better about ourselves does the concept of evil make us feel better about ourselves as in i can say that person over there yeah. is evil and i'm not i'm not that bad probably <laughs> i haven't really given that a whole lot of thought but i think that uh it's another way of dividing us or to push us over yeah which each is, other. in this world that is so fractured at the moment uh probably not a good thing to do no. but um evil can help us in in that I think I think we step into dangerous ground, don't we? When I start labeling someone else as evil and me as not. Oh, of course. Yeah. But I think there are, you know, Hitler is the example that we always use of, mm-hmm. of evil personified. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet Hitler could not have done what Hitler did alone. No. Took a whole lot of other people uh, uh, working with or not working against. But it does, it's an example of how powerful evil can become. Right. Yes. And how... And how it lives in what I do and what I do not do. Right. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) You're not cheering me up this morning, though. (laughs) Not that that was your job, but... (laughs) I didn't pose the question. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I was thinking about a little bit, does evil cause suffering or does suffering cause evil? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well. Well, I, you know, I think of, um, okay, so go, let's go deep. And then, and then we don't know everything yet, but about this young man in uh, Oxford, Michigan this week. Right. Clearly a broken human being. Right? So um, uh, perhaps some uh, um, significant mental health challenges. So where does the evil begin in that story? Right? Does it begin in, in a larger system that does not address these needs? Probably. Yeah. Does it does it begin in a in a larger system that uh, that uh, puts uh, powerful weapons in the hands of people who shouldn't have them? You know? Does it where where does it start? Right? Does it does it and that so it's almost like a chain reaction then. Where does it end? Maybe better question. Yeah, yeah and I have I posed the question. I have no answer. Does evil cause suffering, or does suffering cause evil? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't disagree with you. I, yeah, I think there's yeah. a there's a real relationship there. Um, but you see, um, 
you see it play out in so many different ways, both in the natural world and in uh, mm-hmm. uh, human relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other day, Bishop, when we were talking about this, you brought up um, you you brought up the story of Christ's temptation, right? And the ways in which that gives us a window into evil. Why don't you talk a little more about that? Well, you know, the temptation, Jesus is driven out into the wilderness. And uh, he, uh, I, th- I believe that he allows himself to be mm-hmm. tempted yeah. and uh, tortured nearly to the point of death. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he also allows himself to be ministered to. Um, in mm-hmm. one of the Gospels, this, the angel comes and mm-hmm. uh, ministers to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what else I was... Well, we think about Same. the three the three temptations, right? The person who's clearly hungry, right? And uh, the the offer first is to turn these stones into bread, right? And uh, he says, "What's Jesus' response? We do not live by bread alone. Um, evil would live, I think, I believe, in that temptation to say, Phew, this is all they need, right? Yeah. And uh, and to um, yeah, right." The second one is what? I'll give you all that you see before you. Yeah, temptation to, to power. To power, to wealth. There can be, that, can, that can lead to evil. Mm-hmm. The last one where you know, the temptation is to throw yourself off the, the, the pinnacle and to, uh, and to test God, to put ourselves in the place of God. I wonder, as I listen to you now, if maybe the, oh, maybe the answer in all of that is exactly what happened with Jesus. Jesus um, not only being uh, in, the, in, the, in that uh, place of deprivation for 40 days, a long time, but also being ministered to by God's angels. Maybe the answer's there. Hmm. So we allow ourselves to be cared for by God. Perhaps we can be among those that can, can live into the answer to the, all the struggle in the world, which we call evil. Right. Certainly one of the prime examples we, we know in Scripture where evil is struggled with is in the example of Job, which also has no answers in right. the end, except that God is God and Job is not, which is wholly unsatisfying in many ways. And yet uh, we, we do witness his friends uh, uh, stepping, stepping in close and being powerfully less than unhelpful. unhelpful. And you you wonder how evil plays in that too, right? In that, in our need to distance, our need to uh, explain away in a way that it won't touch me. Uh, at, at least that's that's how I read that's how I read their the ways in which they spoke and were with Job. You know, you've, it's one of those examples of when you find out who your true friends are, because so many people when they they have cancer or something yeah. people or if they're in the hospice people just give up on them yes because i think partly because they don't know what to do or say right. Right. partly because they're afraid of their own mortality absolutely but what about what about the people that stick with you yeah those those are the people who are sent by god yes they're stepping again they're stepping towards it and not away from it like the first responders, the, the helpers, the people that right, run right. towards the danger. Right. These are the people who run sure. toward the yeah. the pain, the uh, yeah. isolation, the death. Yeah. 
you know, I think considering the the, the backstory of Job, right, is that um, is that Satan is in a conversation with God, right, yep. and uh, and uh, and it becomes a challenge to try to uh, to uh, take him down to show he's not as good as uh, as we've assumed. Uh, and uh, then he does. I mean, every every evil that could possibly you can possibly imagine happening to someone happens in terms of illness and suffering and and loss of uh, property and uh, loss of loved ones. And uh, Job stay. I'm thinking this out with you now, but Job stays in the conversation, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, many of us, myself included, might be tempted to abandon it. Right. And uh, certainly at hmm, many points in our journeys, we do just that, don't we? Step away. I'm not going to talk about this right now. So why would I talk to one who is certainly not protecting me from evil? Uh, and in the end, of course, it doesn't really... Whew, I mean, we have this answer to why this happened because Job is somehow hmm, a player in a bigger story trying to prove something. Um one, you know, one understands it perhaps more as parable than anything else. But I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking right now. This is some work I'm doing on myself. Perhaps I reveal too much. But uh, um, next week's gospel has uh, John uh, saying that Jesus will come and burn the chaff away with an unquenchable fire. Uh, leaving only that which matters, perhaps. It's always sounded really threatening, right? And yet I'm starting to hear it, as perhaps Job experienced it, um, as a, a sense of a stripping away until he, till it was just him, in uh, standing in the light of God's love, which didn't feel very loving, right? The Job's a hard one. I don't know. I'm not answering this well. But uh, but 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 in the end, I mean, there, there's that through it all. There's that certainty of faith with him. Job doesn't give up on it. Does Job's he? friends, you know, they were incredibly unhelpful. Very unhelpful. Yeah. Which makes me want to be a better friend to to mm-hmm. people who are in need. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes that's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be, walk with somebody through, let's say. Um, a terminal illness. Yes. Or in in my own family case, you know, my mother had Alzheimer's. Right. And uh, it was a very long, arduous journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but it it has put me in a position of understanding better what some other people are going through when their mm-hmm. parents are suffering either Alzheimer's or dementia. Yep. Um, yeah, the experiences we're given do, does build empathy in us. And you wonder about Job's friends. And, and yet, uh, Bishop, your experience with a with a, the suffering parent, while it may look exactly like somebody else's experience, but because the relationships are different, um, it's probably different too. And, I, and I, I wonder sometimes, at least for me, when I find myself walking into a place of suffering and I just start talking... <laughs> Maybe I would do better just to be quiet, rather rather than to impose my experience. They don't need mine right now. 
Sometimes I do best just to just to be quiet. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just to right. receive it. And Job's friends did not do that. They didn't sit and listen. No, no, no. They just wanted to explain it away, right? They wanted to give the reasons why. And so often we want to rush into something and fix, and fix a it. situation. We when we can't, gonna, we just aren't it. quiet long enough. We're not quiet long To enough. really listen to somebody else. Yeah, just else. to simply to be still in it. Yeah. And to not be frightened away by it. To uh, somehow understand that God is in it, that this is uh, uh, holy ground we're standing on. You know, the psalm says, be still and know that I am God, but Mm -hmm. be still, I think that's when we hear God. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. People who have a gift for meditation, which I don't, I don't seek silence and I don't seek Mm -hmm. a lot of quiet, Mm -hmm. um, I think they're in a better position Mm -hmm. to sometimes hear what God is calling us to do. Yeah. I believe so. We haven't touched on, we briefly touched on COVID near the beginning of this conversation, but, you know, I think of those precious ICU nurses I stand alongside who are, um, have, uh, who have witnessed more death in the last two years than any human being should have witnessed. And what it has done to their souls, their spirits, uh, their, their understanding of humanity how um, if they wouldn't call it evil necessarily, they call, may call it something else, but the ways in which they have witnessed up close, how we have not cared for one another, and how had, they're just exhausted. In yeah, that, I, yeah. I had an, uh, an interesting conversation with um, a pulmonologist mm. the other day, and he re- regularly gets called from his clinic office to the hospital side mm-hmm. to go to the emergency room and to uh, mm-hmm. um, ICU. And he, too, is expressing this exhaustion, but a tremendous frustration with people who have not been vaccinated, people who he feels have just ignored the facts. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He's just, he's, he's, he's exhausted. Yeah, yeah. And what am I supposed to do? Well, yeah, well, and, and, and I was, I'm thinking, you know, in my own experience recently of a, of, of being in ICU to see somebody else was about six weeks ago, and uh, one of the nurses I know there um, asked me. She said, "They've got someone with COVID in the next room. I can't tell you anything more than that. Would you stand in the doorway and pray for him?" So I did, and I opened my eyes. And I turned to her, and the tears were just running down her face. And she has since left for a different position, mm. uh, just out of a sense of needing to survive, to take care of herself. A uh, place less stressful, a place where there won't, she won't be in the face of death every day. And I do wonder about how um, we've all played a part in that, in not, is it, in, in not caring for those courageous, vulnerable ones uh, who are stepping into that every day. And is that evil? Is my neglect also, uh, or at least the root of evil, or at least what it's, the damage is done to God's precious ones that are just uh, trying to fill the call, you know, live out the calling they've yeah. been given. The big questions. I really appreciate you being with us uh, today. Good. It's an important conversation and maybe more important than ever. And I think it's good to hear it from a parish pastor who is dealing with um, the problem of evil in a very practical way on a daily basis. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for your ministry amongst the people of First Lutheran Church in DeKalb. I'm grateful to be there. Thank you. Until next time, remember I'm walking with you. God bless.